Chapter Two of the Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong, the Factory Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. Chapter Two A Delightful Ramble, Friendship and the Muse, An Adventure, Danger and Escape, Gratitude and Benevolence. Only see that! How very extraordinary! exclaimed Lady Dowling, suddenly rising and addressing herself to no one in particular. Oh, how delightful! cried several ladies at once how clever lady clarissa is such a delicious refreshment to be sure it is the only thing in the world to do on such an evening as this exclaimed miss brotherton who as being the richest young lady in company very properly thought she ought to speak first i am sure i shall follow her example and so saying she rose and walked towards the window three of the most dauntless ladies in the party started up to follow her which strange as the manoeuvre appeared to the full-dressed lady dowling she did not oppose greatly preferring that the garden party should be enlarged but though not by her the adventurous fair ones were stopped before they accomplished their design by a chorus of remonstrances from all the rest of the company male and female my dear miss brotherton you will catch your death cried one oh look at your satin shoes screamed another what would mr tompkins say if he was here mrs tompkins demanded a third and your neck and shoulders miss williamson whispered a fourth and your blonde dress mrs simpkins vociferated a fifth with a vast deal more in the same strain so that before the sortie was accomplished every lady save miss brotherton yielded before the storm of reasons that pelted them on all sides the rich young lady however stood firm what young lady with two hundred thousand pounds would not mr augustus dowling said she still pursuing her way windowward but pausing ere she stepped out will you have the excessive kindness vraiment j'ai honte but will you have the charity to look in the hall for my pink satin mantelet trimmed with swan's down without it i fear my poor little shoulders will be arrosées too rudely alas with the dews of night now the young lady's shoulders were really very pretty little shoulders and moreover mr augustus dowling notwithstanding all his elegant nonchalance perfectly well remembered that she had two hundred thousand pounds so before she had stamped her little foot twice in her impatience to join those who from their gaiety seemed to be so greatly enjoying the fresh air he returned with the matelet and having as usual adjusted his glass in the corner of his eye to prevent his making any mistakes placed it on her shoulders now then she cried give me your arm is not this good fun the young gentleman obeyed declaring it was delightful and in a moment they were beside lady clarissa and sir matthew good miss mogg keeping a step or two behind nobody but your ladyship had wit enough to find out that there was more air to be got out of doors than in said the heiress venturing to pass her arm through that of her noble friend but upon this occasion lady clarissa though particularly intimate with miss brotherton and seldom refusing to use her carriage and act as her chaperone to all the parties in the neighbourhood seemed inclined to check her advances my dear child said she i am delighted to see you come out i am sure you must have been half stifled as well as myself but you and mr augustus must wander away by yourselves and you may take mog with you if you like it for i have just got into a discussion with sir matthew that i would not break off for the world so away with you my dear as fast as you can lady clarissa's will was of course law even to the heiress but it was not without a little toss of the head that she turned off to another walk 
nor was it without a considerable struggle between her inclination and a sense of propriety which all things considered really did her honour that she permitted poor miss mogg to obey the hint of her patroness and follow after and so you really have not seen this gifted young man yet sir matthew resumed her ladyship as soon as they were again alone you have never yet seen this osmond norval no my lady i have not replied the knight and to say the truth he added venturing to press with his stout arm the slender one that rested on it to say the truth though i have heard a monstrous deal about him i was determined that i would have nothing to say to him till i heard your opinion my lady how kind how flattering sir matthew but you will let me bring him to you now will i again pressing the lean arm fancy me saying no when you tell me to say yes ah my lady you know better than that or i am greatly mistaken oh sir matthew you are always so kind what magnificent gardens you have by the way i think i never tasted such a pine as that we had to-day i assure you my brother lord highlandlock is celebrated for his pines quite celebrated they are the finest in all scotland but i give you my honour i never saw one equal to it at his table oh my lady that is only your amiable condescension replied sir matthew greatly touched by this preference but if you really can be so polite as to think them good i must entreat you just to let me knock at the head gardener's door who lives close outside this gate i don't let him live inside because of his children lady clarissa i know what birds peck the worst ha <laughs> ha however you must just let me pass through the gate to tell him to put a brace for your ladyship they shall be well taken care of now my lady trust me for that i never valued them so much before i promise you you are too kind a thousand times said the lady stretching out her own hand to open the gate i will go with you there is nothing i dote upon like visiting a gardener could he not take us to the hothouses sir matthew you have no idea how i should enjoy it by no means displeased to show off the high-born lady upon his arm even to the eyes of his gardener the knight joyfully assented to the proposal macnab he cried knocking as he passed the cottage window macnab come here directly and bring a knife and a basket with you you must come directly this very moment and unlock the hothouses her ladyship wishes to walk through them and i must have one or two of the finest pines cut and packed in a basket to put into miss brotherton's carriage but mind they are for lady clarissa shrimpton so you had better give them in charge to her ladyship's own man mr alexander macnab promptly left the seeds he was sorting and prepared himself basket in hand to follow his master the knight and the lady left the cottage arm in arm together but before they again entered the garden a fancy seized her lively ladyship that a short ramble in the green lane outside it would be the most agreeable thing in the world dear me what a poetical idea exclaimed sir matthew with enthusiasm there's only one thing he said stopping short but that will spoil my pleasure altogether i am so dreadfully afraid that your ladyship will take cold ask the gardener's wife to lend me one of her kerchiefs said lady clarissa laughing but it will only be to satisfy you sir matthew for there is no catching cold in such weather as this it was with something quite like tender anxiety that the knight stepped back asked for and obtained a neat shawl and himself wrapped it round the slender person of his amiable companion thank you thank you a thousand times 
but dear sir matthew i must not lose my pines by my frolic will you give the gardener orders to get them without waiting for us and perhaps you would let him put a bunch of grapes and a few peaches at the same time it is no good to let him wait for us sir matthew when you and i get into a chat together we shall neither of us think of the pines again quitting her highly valued aristocratic arm for an instant the flattered knight ran back and gave the necessary orders and then almost unconscious in his full contentment that his own grey head was as bare as that of the oak-crowned nymph by his side he returned to his bewitching companion and led her gently onward over the mossy turf that bordered the road the gardener and his wife stood together for a moment looking after them who would think now that she was one of the true old gentlefolks and scotch to boot to see her pair off that way with our rogue of a spinner there how in god's name can she choose to be so free and friendly with such as he said the gardener just for the same reason as yourself sawney replied his wife to get all she can out of him and that's true replied sawney setting off upon his business i'd like to forget the pines and the grapes and the peaches she's not so far wrong after all and yet tis a pity too the evening was still oppressively sultry and hardly a breath of air disturbed either the leaves or the oaks beside the road or those that mimicked them so abominably on the lady's brow but nevertheless there was a freshness in the smell of the hedges and the grass which could not fail to be agreeable to any nerves that had endured the steaming dinner and the irksome drawing-room of dowling lodge the shady lane in which the knight and the lady were thus recreating themselves after skirting the extensive and lofty walls of the garden turned at right angles both to the right and to the left at the corner of it the branch to the left followed the boundary of the garden and led to the stable-yard and back entrance to the house that to the right conducted to the factory which was the source and headspring of all the wealth that flowed over and irrigated with its fructifying stream meadows parks hot-beds and flower-gardens till it made itself a prodigious cistern in the depths and heights of dowling lodge when the strangely matched pair came to this point sir matthew made a halt till lady clarissa came to the end of a little poem which the protege whom she was so desirous of introducing to her rich and to use her own words really very clever friend had inscribed in her album nothing could be more agreeable to her ladyship than this pause in the first place it was the greatest possible relief to her lungs for the lines she was reciting were much too full of deep feeling to be repeated without a painful effort while walking and in the second the halt accompanied as it was by a look of earnest attention from her apparently delighted companion furnished the most agreeable commentary in the world upon the poem itself as well as on her manner of reciting it it said so plainly stay move not lest a word an intonation a cadence be lost to me lady clarissa was really touched by it and let sawney the gardener and his wife janet say or think what they would neither peaches nor pines had anything to do with the gratification she at this moment experienced in the society of the great manufacturer his eyes were fixed on her face and she bore the gaze and returned it with that sort of courage and confidence which genuine enthusiasm alone can give she had just finished a stanza when sir matthew ceased to move and feeling that he did so under the influence of a spell which she well knew would be more powerful still were it spoken when she were at rest for lady clarissa was aware that she was exceedingly short-breathed she repeated the last eight lines in a manner that showed she felt the pleasure she was producing 
a pleasure as she thought like that occasionally caused by the repetition of some delicious phrase in a musical composition reiterated as if to fill the soul with its sweetness and should the eye for which i write by sunlit morn or moonlit night drop on this record of my soul which tells a part ah not the whole of hopes that trembling faltering timid now fire my cheek now turn it livid should that soft eye but drop one tear i'd hug my chain and call it dear the tear asked for almost came as she ceased you feel it dear sir matthew she said in a voice of considerable emotion i'd hug my chain and call it dear she again murmured hanging on his arm with such an evident degree of weakness as showed the slender form to be less powerful than the ardent spirit it enshrined let us turn back said sir matthew my dear friend faintly ejaculated lady clarissa you are moved too strongly but no no sir matthew believe me it were far better for both of us that we should proceed are we either of us my dear friend in a state at this moment to meet the curious stare of idle eyes come on dear sir matthew and she gently pulled him forward as she spoke this soft glade invites us though perfectly determined to find some excuse for not leading his fascinating companion within sight of his grim-looking factory which another turn in the lane at no great distance would have made very unpicturesquely visible it was impossible at that moment not to yield to the gentle violence which carried him forward and in what lady clarissa felt to be very eloquent silence he proceeded for a few steps farther considerably however before they had reached the dreaded turning his good star shot a ray upon him in the shape of a very large cow with a pair of enormous horns that slowly turned the corner and fronted them good heaven he exclaimed in an accent of great alarm there is that horrid spotted cow she is the worst beast in the whole parish turn back dearest lady clarissa turn back instantly how kindly considerate returned lady clarissa but you little know the strength of your friend's mind sir matthew were i alone indeed i might tremble and turn as pale as the veriest child that ever hid its face on a nurse's lap but with you and here the lady turned a very flattering glance on the athletic form of her protector heaven knows replied sir matthew once more pressing her lean arm heaven knows that all which the strength of man could do to protect you would not be left undone by me but consider the dog he added pointing to a little cur that always followed him its power of irritating an animal of this kind is quite extraordinary and as he spoke he whistled in a note which meant as his dog spite knew as well as he did neither more nor less than at her spite if anything can keep spite quiet resumed the knight it is whistling to him obedient to the true meaning of the signal however the dog sprang forward and of course there ensued the scene which always follows on such occasions the dog yelped and affected to spring at the nose of the cow while she somewhat accelerating her stately pace threw up her tail and bent down her head till her horns nearly touched the ground offering so exact an image of the cow with the crumpled horn with whose portrait her ladyship's early studies had made her familiar that her confidence in the prowess of sir matthew could sustain her no longer and she rapidly uttered a succession of tremendous screams the purpose of the night was accomplished and he therefore indulged the fair lady by letting her scream on for at least a minute and a half 
while he supported her with every appearance of the most pitying tenderness meanwhile two little boys who were making their way from the factory homewards across a field by the side of the lane with terrified curiosity and all the strength they had to a gate through which they could see the interesting spectacle of a fine full-dressed lady screaming with all her might from between the sheltering arms of the magnificent sir matthew dowling and a little dog worrying an old half-starved cow come here you young scamps cried the knight on perceiving the two little heads peeping over the gate don't you see what's going on clamber over the gate can't you and drive back that devil of a beast the youngest but by far the stoutest and tallest of the two boys instantly obeyed this command and placing himself midway between the tormented cow and the fair creature whose nerves her menacing attitude had so cruelly shaken he stood manfully astride in the middle of the lane flourished his ragged hat on high and with a few lusty woof woofs repeated at the top of his young voice succeeded in turning the front of the enemy which was presently seen to wheel round and by a sort of feeble ambling little trot speedily got out of sight round the corner now then said sir matthew let me lead you home my dear lady not till i have thanked my little deliverer exclaimed lady clarissa with very sentimental fervour good heaven what might have been my fate without him i know i feel sir matthew that you could never have borne to leave me and what then could have stopped the fearful approach of that most vicious animal death or worse than death dislocation of limb disfigurement of feature oh sir matthew your heart i know will go side by side with mine tell me what can i do what can we both do to reward the astonishing bravery of that noble little fellow depend upon it my lady he will be delighted if you will give him sixpence sixpence cried her ladyship turning extremely red but in a moment she recovered herself and said oh sir matthew do i not know how dearly you love a jest men of wit and humour can rarely be grave for long together even under circumstances that most keenly touch their feelings did i not know you well my friend what should i not think of your proposal but come come be serious for a moment longer we have it is true escaped a tremendous danger and it may well make us feel light at heart but we will not laugh over it till we have settled in what way that heroic child shall receive the meed he has earned i shall not rest in peace my friend unless his destiny be as favourably influenced by me as mine has probably been by him sir matthew you have great power enormous wealth a generous heart a noble nature and intellect before which if i mistake not all difficulties will melt away like a mist before the sun of all this i am quite certain there is but one if in the business if you value me sir matthew as much as i think you do that little boy now getting over the gate will be clothed educated fed lodged by you do i deceive myself or will the daily sight of him by renewing the memory of this evening rather cause you pleasure than pain sir matthew dowling clearly saw that sending the little black guard to the devil which was decidedly what his heart whispered to him would at this stage of the business be inevitably sending her sentimental ladyship to at least an equal distance from himself and this he had no inclination to do she was the only lady somebody something in the whole neighbourhood and he was quite aware that he had already acquired more envy and hatred among his friends and neighbours by the superior degree of intimacy he had contrived to achieve with her 
than by all his successful struggles to outspend them all this pleasure was not to be given up for a trifle especially at a moment when it seemed so very clear that it only depended on himself to make all the world perceive that they were dearer friends than ever so making a virtue of necessity he looked in her face with one of his wittiest smiles and cleverly taking the cue she had given replied if you had not found out that i was jesting with you lady clarissa i never should have believed in your friendship more come here my boy he continued raising his loud voice to a note that must have been heard as far as the factory come here i say the little fellow on hearing these imperative accents which were not quite unknown to him thought this was the first time he had been so greatly honoured as to have them addressed to himself again let go the hand of his brother by whose side he had begun to resume his progress homeward and once more clambering over the gate presented himself cap in hand before the illustrious pair you are a happy little boy said lady clarissa in having had the extraordinary good fortune of looking over yonder gate at the moment you did and you are a brave little fellow into the bargain for not running away as you certainly might have done when you saw that dreadful beast oh those tremendous horns sir matthew they haunt me still i am quite sure it will be weeks before i lay my head on my pillow without dreaming of them but you drove them away my dear child and as a reward for it you shall be comfortably clothed and fed for the rest of your life you will like that won't you i should very much like never to go to work at the factory any more replied the child but please ma'am he added the minute after i'd sooner you'd clothe and feed teddy than me he looked over the gate first please ma'am did he my dear then that is another reason why this good gentleman's favour should be shown to you for if your brother saw my distress first it was you who were the first to relieve it that was only because teddy is so lame please ma'am said the boy lame is he repeated her ladyship poor fellow however my little man if i do not greatly mistake you have this day made a friend by serving me who will put you in a situation where if you behave well you will be able to assist all who belong to you the child opened a pair of remarkably large eyes and fixing them on her face said what mother and all yes i should think so my dear he is a fine intelligent-looking little fellow is he not sir matthew but he does not look healthy however i dare say he will improve in that respect plenty of food generally cures all poor people's complaints particularly when they are young how old are you my dear nine last birthday replied the boy a tall little fellow for his age though very thin to be sure and what is your name michael armstrong ma'am michael armstrong i shall never forget it i assure you for truly do i believe that i should have been trampled in the dust by this time if you had not been heart-strong as well as armstrong and what shall we do with him at first sir matthew shall we take him home with us what to your cottage my dear lady yes certainly if it will give you pleasure my dearest sir matthew there you are at your jestings again <laughs> lady clarissa you begin to know me so well that i shall never be able to cut my little dry jokes upon you replied the knight laughing as it seemed most heartily but inwardly cursing the audacious exaction of his fair friend in attempting to make him pay the enormous price she hinted at for permitting him to enjoy the honour and glory of flirting with her 
the idea of being thus entrapped and forced to adopt a bag of rags out of his own factory for it was thus he inwardly designated little michael galled him for a moment so severely that he was within an ace of exclaiming confound you and the beggar's brat together you old fool but most fortunately for all parties he did no such thing on the contrary he happily remembered at that critical moment the important hints he had received from his excellent friend dr crockley and instantly decided that this absurd whim of her ladyship's should be worked up in the d blank d good-natured thing that was to set all right at the very same moment as if to confirm his resolution lady clarissa drew from her pocket a cambric pocket handkerchief something the worse for wear perhaps but most elaborately embroidered at each corner with the coronet of a countess it was one of a dozen bequeathed to her a few years before by her thrifty and truly admirable mother the late countess of the highlandlock this coincidence appeared to be the work of providence give me your arm my charming friend said the well-satisfied knight with an air of tender gallantry and only remember that all i shall do in this business will proceed wholly from my devoted friendship to you follow us little boy and you shall learn what it is to have served sir matthew dowling's most honoured friend having said this he began leading his fair companion back towards the house as rapidly as might be consistent with the delicate style in which she was shod please ma'am may i go and tell teddy said little michael walking after them teddy who is teddy my little man inquired lady clarissa graciously smiling upon him for her ladyship at no time an ill-natured woman was at this moment in the best of all possible humours with herself and everybody else there had been various passages in what had passed between herself and sir matthew during this most delightful walk which convinced her that the knight notwithstanding the homage he paid to her rank could not wholly resist the fascinations of her person talents and manners and the conviction pleased her but let not the character of this noble lady be for a moment misunderstood lucretia herself would hardly have shrunk with greater horror from an improper attachment all she dreamed of in her intimacy with sir matthew dowling with the young poet osmond norval and with a few other gentlemen whom she was in the habit of meeting was but that their admiring friendship should be animated by a lambent innoxious flickering of the flame which after a peculiar theory of her own she believed to pervade the universe cheering the well conducted by its mild platonic warmth but scorching burning and destroying those who permitted it to exercise over them a too sovereign sway and masterdom that she had reached the age of forty unsolicited in marriage by any suitor of any degree she attributed rightly enough perhaps to the unfortunate disproportion between her fortune and her rank but must she therefore live and die without the sweet consciousness of having been loved where was the law that enforced such cruelty she knew it not and accordingly had for many years and quite upon principle made up her mind to permit as many gentlemen of all ages ranks and conditions to deserve the soft impeachment whether they owned it or not as it was in her power to captivate for most of these tender and really very innocent friendships she was able to assign to herself some excellent cause as poetical sympathy with one botanical sympathy with another philosophical religious sympathy with a third and so on but in the case of sir matthew dowling she sometimes felt a little puzzled herself it was not however that she was weak enough in the least degree to blame herself for wishing to be admired by a vulgar man she had long ago given such feelings to the winds 
from the time she quitted on the death of her mother the floods and the fells of her native land to inhabit a pretty little cottage the timely gift of an english godmother which happened to be situated in the midst of a manufacturing district she had been schooling her spirit to endure the change from poor lairds of a hundred descents to rich manufacturers who would have been for the most part quite as pleased as they had been unable to trace one just at first her scotch pride rebelled a little but an hour or two of quiet meditation on the subject led her to perceive so clearly all she might lose and all she might gain by being or not being on friendly terms with her neighbours that she made up her mind on the matter at once and thenceforward feasted upon delicate cates and battened in the fructifying sunshine of universal popularity in a neighbourhood that might be safely described as the richest in the world but still this did not quite explain the terms she was upon with sir matthew dowling and she did feel sometimes conscious of taking more pains to please him than she quite knew why unconscious that it arose from a latent wish to be distinguished by a man celebrated for the warmth of his devotion to the fair sex but for this she must not be out of measure blamed inasmuch as those who have reached the age for looking on upon the drama of life can many of them testify that in this she only yielded to a weakness very unaccountably common to the majority of the sex but poor little michael armstrong had been left unmercifully long looking up in her ladyship's smiling face as she inquired who teddy was teddy is my brother please ma'am was his answer is he still waiting for you at the gate my dear said the lady i don't see him he can't stand very well ma'am because he is lame replied michael i shouldn't wonder if he was set down and gone to sleep gone to sleep why it is hardly bedtime yet my dear is it however i suppose you had better go to see sir matthew your brother turning again to the child is younger than you are i suppose if he falls asleep on the grass like a baby is he old enough to go home by himself and tell the great news that has happened to you teddy is two years older than me only he is always so tired replied the boy well then just step back and bid him run along home by himself and tell all the family what a fine act you have done and that sir matthew dowling is going to take care of you all the rest of your life michael now for the first time ventured to look steadily up into the face of the majestic sir matthew and his little heart sank within him it was quite evident from the child's speaking countenance that no pleasurable ideas were suggested by the assurance that sir matthew would take care of him all the rest of his life the knight saw this and would for a moment have desired no better sport than wringing his neck round nevertheless he patted his head with astonishing condescension and said it is quite true my boy for the sake of this charming lady for whose happiness you must pray morning noon and night i will undertake to provide for you you may step back if you will and tell your brother so who if he be two years older than you will be able to make your friends understand the good fortune that has happened to you i have got no friends please sir said the boy where do you live then with mother sir is not she your friend my poor child demanded lady clarissa in an accent of great feeling please ma'am she is my mother answered michael while a slight flash mantled his pale cheek and something like a tear twinkled in his eye how very odd exclaimed lady clarissa is she not kind to you my boy kind responded michael staring at her do you love her my little fellow 
love her again echoed michael whatever she is she has not taught you good manners my lad or you would not answer her ladyship this way said the knight rather indignantly the little boy was certainly very foolish for large as his eyes were they could not contain the salt room which for no reason in the world that the lady or gentleman could guess first filled them and then ran down in two great big drops upon his cheeks i dare say he is hungry exclaimed lady clarissa with sudden animation how delightful dearest sir matthew to have found a little creature so greatly in want are you hungry my dear tell the truth don't be afraid not very said the child poor little fellow it is quite evident sir matthew that he is exceedingly shy let us go back shall we just as far as the gate and give the message ourselves to that lazy fellow that he says is asleep under the hedge and two years older than this one only conceive i am delighted that he is not the object of your bounty for there is nothing so detestable as idleness sir matthew had turned in compliance with the word and action which expressed her ladyship's desire that he should do so and in another minute they reached the gate where is this brother of yours i don't see him said lady clarissa looking about there he is ma'am if you please replied michael once more climbing over the gate and presently he was close under the flowery hedge extending his two hands to raise a miserably sick-looking child who was in truth soundly sleeping there in consequence of a few words whispered to him by little michael the boy came forward with a shuffling gait his knees sloping inwards and his legs frightfully emaciated but the moment he reached the gate lady clarissa exclaimed good gracious how beautiful it was indeed a lovely face that was then turned up to meet her eye and when as if somewhat daunted by her earnest gaze he removed his own from her countenance to that of sir matthew the bright flash that lighted it up for a moment made it appear more beautiful still and what is your name my pretty boy said the lady edward armstrong was the reply but my dear child you don't look well and you ought not to go to sleep so quite late in the evening upon the grass what makes you so very sleepy my dear have you been at play no ma'am replied the boy furtively glancing at sir matthew i have been at work at work you can't have done much work my poor little fellow looking as you do i have been at work since my dear lady clarissa i will not let you stay another moment suddenly exclaimed sir matthew the heat is gone off and i am sure you will be quite chilled if you remain any longer out of doors i believe you are right my dear friend said lady clarissa with a glance of affectionate gratitude for this earnest zeal let us go never can i forget the kindness you have shown me during this eventful walk and heartless indeed must i be were i to refuse to acknowledge that it has made a deep impression on me for a moment lady clarissa held her coroneted handkerchief to her eyes and then resumed go home little edward tell your mother who by the by i trust is not harsh to you that your brother michael is rewarded for an act of bravery that probably saved the life of an earl's daughter has been most generously and nobly adopted by her friend sir matthew dowling and that henceforward she need have no anxiety whatever on his account now then sir matthew i am ready are we never to see michael again said the lame boy while a sudden expression of anguish passed across his beautiful features why not child replied her ladyship rather sharply 
do you suppose that sir matthew and i are going to hide him it is all very well then returned edward limping away but be sure to go and tell mother all about it yourself to-morrow mike come along little one said lady clarissa moving off follow behind this generous gentleman and see the palace of a home which your bravery has won so saying she moved on the obsequious knight at her side and the wondering michael armstrong after her on reaching the gate beside the gardener's house sir matthew paused he had been meditating while seemingly listening in rapt attention to the lady's talk on the effect which would be produced on the party they were about to rejoin by the appearance of the ragged little companion they had brought back with them had he been a ragged sailor-boy or a ragged ploughboy or even a ragged chimney-sweeper there might by possibility have been excited some feeling of curiosity and interest but a ragged factory-boy was of all created beings the one least likely to give birth to such emotions among his friends and neighbours or indeed to any other emotion fit to be exhibited in good society so merely saying to his fair friend excuse me my lady for one moment he once more knocked at the cottage window and called aloud for macnab the obedient north briton appeared immediately and was about to forestall the inquiry he anticipated by assurances that her ladyship's pines peaches and grapes had all been consigned to the care of her ladyship's own serving-man when he was very literally struck dumb by his master saying macnab take this little boy into the servants hall and tell the servants to take care of him do you hear and he is to have a bed made up for him and-and supper and breakfast and all that and to-morrow i will talk to parsons about what must be done for him observe macnab and take care if you please that all the servants about the place know it that this boy is to be the object of the greatest benevolence the greatest what was you pleased to say sir said the scotch gardener really and truly doubting his own ears benevolence sir shouted the knight vehemently and woe to any one on my estate who dares to question or thwart my design how inspiring is this angelic goodness exclaimed lady clarissa affectionately ah sir matthew how few there are who know you as i know you come along my man said the scotchman leading away michael and he said no more till he was quite sure that the knight and the lady had got far enough in their progress across the garden to be out of hearing and then he added and now my little fellow tell me in god's name what all this means why you look for all the world like one of the little ragamuffins out of the factory i am one of the ragamuffins out of the factory replied michael you are and our master's going to make a house bet of ye why now you'll be made the talk of the whole country i should not have been one half so much surprised if he had taken one of our sucking pigs into the drawing-room nor i sir said michael timidly but with a half smile so then you don't understand it much better than i do it seems but what did he say it was for he didn't take the earl of highland lock's daughter among the infernal whirligigs did he and pick you out as a specimen to be kept in a glass case i hope he won't put me in a glass case sir said michael taking courage from the gardener's good humour but why he brought me here at all i don't very well understand the lady said it was because i held up my hat and cried woof to dame knight's old cow but of course she was only making fun at any rate he was making no fun for he roared like a bulldog didn't he so his bidding i'll do let it mean what it will 
and if it brings you food and lodging i don't suppose you'll break your heart for being taken out of the factory shall you not if you'll take edward out too said the boy edward out too oh lord oh lord how many more did he cry woof to the cow too i wish he had said michael shaking his head very mysteriously meanwhile lady clarissa and the gallant knight re-entered my lady dowling's drawing-room amidst a perfect storm of questions exclamations of admiration wonder fears for the lady's safety and so forth miss brotherton who always took more liberties than any one else laughed immoderately lady dowling looked the picture of conjugal woe and good miss mogg bustled forward with her usual amiable attention put a footstool under the lady's misused white satin shoes took mrs janet Macnab's shawl off her shoulders and whispered in her ear that she was dreadfully afraid she must have caught cold but lady clarissa with a lively action of both hands at once not only drove miss mogg back but every one else who attempted to crowd round her saying give me space give me space i entreat you i must have ample room and verge enough to breathe such a series of adventures lady dowling you have no idea good heaven i can hardly believe it myself i have been in the greatest possible danger of losing my life a beast a monster the most terrific animal certainly that nature ever permitted on the earth you know mog i fear nothing i have the spirit of my race within me who ever heard of a highland lock being afraid but i give you my honour i pledge my noble word to you all that such a monster as that which i have escaped from this night might have made the black douglas fear or the earl of warwick either perhaps said miss brotherton for she had heard sir matthew utter the word cow in answer to the importunate inquiries of his eldest son but what shall i say of sir matthew dowling resume lady clarissa with increased energy such benevolence such noble disinterested conduct no i cannot i really have no strength left miss brotherton my dear pray do order your carriage my nerves are in disorder so is my dress in short i long to get home and meditate in solitude on my providential escape here lady clarissa found it necessary to lie down upon a sofa her faithful mog endeavouring in vain to pull her dress over her slender feet and ankles for her ladyship was restless feverish and unable to remain in the same attitude for a minute together ere long however the carriage of the heiress was announced and the languid lady clarissa exerted herself to reach it with the aid of miss mogg's substantial arm on one side and that of sir matthew dowling on the other farewell my friend she uttered with some effort after taking her seat ere long i shall call upon you and shall hope to see our interesting protege looking very differently from what he did when we parted from him farewell i do assure you i am almost fainting do ask will you dear sir matthew if the fruit the pines particularly are put in i really think they will do me good and i am sure i want it thank you thank you adieu End of chapter two